Welcome to the Gonzo Chronicles. I'm your host, Cyrus Alderwood, the official spokesman for Generation X. Stick around. It's going to get weird, as always. to another episode of the Gonzo Chronicles. This is Cyrus Alderwood. Today is January 25th. Man, where did the month go? Actually, I've been snowed in. Just thawed out a couple of days ago, this deep freeze after about eh, 8 to 10 inches of snow or so here in my town. Uh, did finally get out a couple of days ago, but I was in for almost a week stuck in here. And you know what? I didn't go on a rant. I didn't pull up the podcast to start going on a rant because, you know, when you're stuck in the house and you have to watch too much news, it just kind of chaps your ass, you know? You don't know what to do with yourself, but hey, I got through it, powered through it, today, January 25th. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about conspiracy theory groups, right? Um, secret organizations, secret secret groups, secret societies. Going to get into a little bit of uh, that today. But since today is January 25th, let's take a look at what happened on this day in history. Um, this I thought this was interesting. On this day in history, 1840, American naval expedition under Charles Wilkes was the first to identify Antarctica as a new continent. Uh, the city of Sao Paulo uh, was founded in Brazil on this day in history. Um, the first Israeli election was won by David Ben-Gurion. Uh, their, uh, Ma, what is it, Mapai Party or whatever, however you say that. I don't know. In 1949. So, kind of cool. Also, in this day in history, this is an interesting fact I thought was pretty cool. The first live nationally televised presidential news conference was held on this day in history, 1961, by John F. Kennedy. Pretty cool. Uh, actually, um, famous birthdays this day in history. Virginia Woolf. Uh, she was born in 1882, died in 1941. Ironically, right now, as I'm talking, as I'm recording this, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf is on Turner Classic Movies. How about that? You know who else has a birthday today? The guy who's the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, 46 years old today. This guy's leading a country at 46 years old. Um, When I was, yeah, man, what am I doing with my life? However, here's some interesting, here's some fun celebrity birthdays. A couple of them, anyway. Etta James, 
famous uh, jazz singer Etta James. Love her voice. Uh, there'll never be another like her. Born 1938, died in 1912. Alicia Keys, uh, the singer, th is 43 today. And um, looking to see what else happened today in this day in history. <laughs> well, on this day in history, comedian and actor Bill Cosby married Camille Olivia Hanks. So I think we all know how, you know, Cosby's life went uh, weird. Uh, famous deaths in history. On this day in 1947, Al Capone died. On this day in 2017, Mary Tyler Moore died. I remember that. That was, uh, you know, you, you, you always hear about the celebrity deaths. And we've had a few celebrity deaths recently. Um, Sandra Day O'Connor uh, died in December. Uh, probably maybe a couple of days before that, Henry Kissinger passed away. Um and earlier in November, Frank Borman, uh, astronaut, passed away. But yeah, Al Capone passed away on this day in history in 1947. Wild stuff, man, on this day in history. I always thought that was fascinating to take a look and see what happened on this very day. 365 days of the year go by. I couldn't, you know, tell you one thing from another that happened. Famous things that happened on this day, only maybe events that happened personally in my life, like somebody personally that you knew passed away, or or a baby was born, or somebody's birthday. But man, yeah, the A L E X A comes in handy for a few things. I'll tell you that. But uh, let's jump into here in just a second here some secret societies that you may have never heard of. We've always heard of, you know, we've heard of the Rosicrucians, we've heard of the Illuminati, Skull of Bones, um, but there's some secret societies out there that you may have probably have never heard of. But I'm going to toss this question out to you real quick before we get into that. I ran a, a, a pseudo poll on Facebook, and I asked the question, which sports movie was better? Was it Rocky II? Field of Dreams? Rudy, or I think the and the fourth one was Hoosiers. If you remember that about high school basketball, four awesome movies. To be honest with you, I love every one of those movies. Uh, it seems like it, the the favorite, and I got quite a few responses. Uh, the favorite was Rocky Two. I think followed up by Field of Dreams, and then maybe Hoosiers. But there was a couple that came in for Rudy that really liked Rudy. Uh, anyway, all awesome films. You know, if you had to pick one of these two classic sports films that were like geared toward young people and teenagers, would you choose the Bad News Bears or would you take Sandlot? Or, hey, how about the Mighty Ducks? That was another good one. Um, a lot of fun movies out there. I always kind of thought it was interesting just to run those little polls and see what people prefer. Sometimes they're pretty close. Sometimes they're runaways. Um, you always get a few responses that really aren't one of the one of the choices, but, you know, that's okay. Um, Maybe some of the choices you just don't give a crap about. Maybe you don't like any of them. So let me ask you this also. If you're into conspiracy theories and think those things are kind of cool because they make for great books, they make for great movies, they make for some interesting talk, sometimes interesting politics. Of all those secret societies and the Dan Brown books you've read, do you have a favorite conspiracy secret society? You ever thought about that? Like, you know, if you had to be ruled by one, would it be the Skull and Bones or the Illuminati? 
You know, um, I don't know. None of them really sound like great options to me, but anyway, the popularity of these secret clubs actually peaked in the 18th and 19th century. So I started reading uh, through uh, some stuff online with the Smithsonian and getting a little history of this stuff and found some old articles that were written in different places about different secret societies that you may not know. And I want to just touch base on a handful of them here. But um, one of the things that I read that kind of grabbed my attention was um, how fascinated people are and how much they distrust the news and their government. Um, back in, I think it was, I want to say 2016, when Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia died. A lot of people thought that was very mysterious the way he died. And indeed, it kind of was, I thought. The Washington Post, they broke the story. Um, but where he was at, it was actually he was on a hunting trip. Well, this is where it gets a little interesting, okay? Um, nobody really delved into what kind of hunting trip he was on or who he was with. But he basically spent his last hours hanging out with members of a secret society for elite hunters. And when, I guess, people wanted to know more about that group when that came out, but really, it really went nowhere. I don't, I don't recall. Maybe some places online. But the fraternity that we're talking about is a group called the International Order of St. Hubertus. And that was actually created by this uh, count, this German count, Count Anton von Spork in 1695 and they originally formed this secret society the secret club uh to gather amongst themselves the greatest noble hunters in the 17th century 16 yeah 17th century uh particularly in the bohemian austria area and in countries of the hungary of the austro-hungarian empire which was ruled at the time by the habsburgs and you can find that information just online, Wikipedia or wherever. But the organization at some point back in the 1900s, they were disbanded for a while. And here's why. They denied membership to Nazis, specifically Hermann Goering. And then Hitler dissolved it, wouldn't allow it to even meet. So these people sort of went underground. But... They came back together after World War II, and uh, an American chapter of it was founded in the late 1960s. So um, that order still is just one of the many organizations that still are around today. And uh, But like I said, these secret organizations, from everything that I read, they sort of peaked in the 18th and 19th centuries, you know, the popularity of these things. Um, but back then, a lot of them had, you know, those societies were sort of like, the secret societies were safe spaces for people to have open dialogue about history, religion, science, um, things that were kind of out of the public eye so that it wouldn't come under scrutiny from churches, uh, especially the, the uh, Church of Rome. So, anyway... Um, some people looked at them like 
they were like little incubators for modern science, democracy, um, other religions that are maybe outside of the mainstream. They had their own leaders. They elected. They drew up their own bylaws, constitutions, whatever. How to how to govern these little organizations. Um, and a lot of our founding fathers in this country were members of secret societies: George Washington, Ben Franklin. Um, and they just kind of wrapped everything up, to, and they stayed anonymous. And kept kept their meetings and discussions all secret. So. No wonder people were suspicious because nobody likes anybody with power and clout to have secret meetings. Um, so that's what uh, caused a lot of distrust in these societies. And even back in the 18, late 1800s, even the New York Times had to start writing articles on this stuff from what I've read. They were targeting Freemasonry. And they actually made a claim, one of the theories claimed that Freemasonry actually brought about the Civil War. And, uh, you know, it, it was, I think, well, let me pull up this quote that I found here. This is interesting. Um, this able theory of Freemasonry is not so readily believed as a theory that the European secret societies are the ruling power in Europe but there are still many people as yet outside the lunatic system who firmly believe it. Um, anyway, churches really started going after the secret societies. Uh, pastors started preaching about them in the pulpit. As a matter of fact, one, one particular preacher I, I came across here, uh, Talmadge, Reverend Talmadge, back in the late 1880s, uh, wrote his sermon, and he called this on the moral effect of Freemasonry, Odd Fellowship, Knights of Labor, Greek Alphabet, and other societies. Um, he said that he had a lot of friends that belonged to these different orders. But he preached using uh, uh, passages from Proverbs, especially twenty-five, chapter 25, verse 9, Discover not a secret to another. And then he asked his audience, to question themselves whether or not being a member of a secret society was a positive or negative decision for them and their faith and their chance in heaven. Um, another cardinal of the Catholic Church by the name of James Gibbons, he took a more staunch stand and said that you know, there was actually no excuse for the existence of these secret societies. And that was, I guess, in the same year. And he preached that from his pulpit. But um, there was a, such, I guess this is interesting too, I found this, there was such an uproar against um, secret societies that swept across America that there was a group that actually, or it wasn't a group, it was a group of people who started a convention, an annual convention called the Anti-Secret Society Convention. And they had their first meeting in Chicago in 1869. And then they actually went after the secular press in those meetings and publicly. Um, they claimed that the press either approved it or ignored of these secret societies. And only a few, um, I guess, religious papers as they were, I guess, church papers, um, churches that had those papers, actually had enough guts to come out in opposition to Freemasonry. 
But in uh, 1892, the group which deemed these societies as evil and amid, administer our civil institutions, um, they failed to get anybody to do anything but just strongly denounce them. Nobody ever went after them. And uh, they eventually disbanded. But fast forward to modern day. Like I said, we have Dan Brown and all these, these other folks who write about conspiracy theories and secret societies. Um, you have, like I said, you have the organizations like the Order of Skull and Bones, the Rosicrucians, the Freemasons, the Illuminati, a lot of well-known groups that are out there. But here's a handful that you may not have ever heard of. Uh, in 1907, uh, the newspaper, the Seattle Republican, I think they were the first ones to report on something called, a group called the Order of the Elks. And uh, so this was the Improved Benevolent Protective Order of Elks of the World. Uh, it's claimed by the members and officers that one of the most thriving secret societies among Afro-Americans uh, of this city. That's a quote from the newspaper. Um, and according to uh, the African-American Registry, uh, the Fraternal Order was actually founded in Cincinnati in 1899 after two black men were denied admission to the uh, Benevolent Protective Order of the Elks of the World, which is actually still kind of functioning and kind of popular today. Um, being a former Cincinnati guy, um, I actually remember people talking about that while I was there. Um, and uh, still popular today, I guess, despite questions that people brought up about discriminative practices, but now anybody can get in as long as you're 21 years or older, and uh, you have to believe in God, as they say. But uh, the two men that were denied took the order's name and uh, made the club, made their own club around it, and uh, formally called the Improved Benevolent and Protective Order of the Elks of the World. The order was once considered to be at the center of the black community, and during the era of, era of segregation, uh, the lodge is one of the few places where black men and women could actually socialize. Um, and uh, still, the Secret Society goes on today uh, to sponsor, actually, educational scholarships and, and youth programs and uh, summer literacy camps, computer literacy camps. Uh, they do have, I guess, on occasion, parades, I read. And uh, they do community services around around the world, um, which I thought I was kind of, I'd never really heard of them. It, well, just in Cincinnati, and then I completely forgot about it until I read this. Also, I found, uh, read about a group called the Grand Orange Lodge. New to me, um, but it's uh, also called the Orange Order. So it's got its name from uh, Prince William III, the Prince of Orange, and was founded uh, after what was called the Battle of the Diamond outside a small village, which is in modern-day Northern Ireland, called Lugal. And its purpose was to protect Protestants. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, at the time though, when they were, uh, when they came about, secret societies were banned from Ireland. And, uh, I think you can find, I read somewhere that you could find, uh, official records of these st uh, statistics of eviction and crime from these secret societies. But anyway, the Orange Lodge is still around today, um, and it's got members, I guess, around the world. Uh, 
prospective members of the Protestant fraternity don't take a pledge. They just have to affirm their acceptance of the principles of Reformation, as well as loyalty to their country. And uh, I guess there's, there's always been some questions of, as to whether they're anti-Roman Catholic. Um, and they denounce that on their website, but they actually have a website, believe it or not. Um, you could check that out. Anyway, there's another one called the Independent Order of Oddfellows. Now, I've vaguely heard of the Oddfellows just in reading fiction and, uh, and being referred to, but I never bothered to look it up. But um, apparently, they were, it was called the, originally called the Independent Order of Oddfellows. And it was, uh, I guess, first came about in 1812. Um, let's see. I guess it was, uh, they referenced George IV in this. And uh, even before the Prince Regent of the United Kingdom, George IV, had been a member of the Freemasons. But as the story goes, he wanted a relative of his to be admitted to the society without having to endure the lengthy initiation process. Well, that was denied. So George IV left the order um, and said that he was going to establish a rival club. Uh, and according to History of the Independent Order of the Oddfellows, uh, published by the Philadelphia Evening Telegraph in 1867, the official website of the order actually traces the club's origins all the way back to 1066. I did not bother to go back that far. Um, but anyway, however it started, um, King got his wish, right? Uh, the Independent Order of Oddfellows, they're still around today. And um, had a couple of really famous people. Um, a couple of British prime ministers. Winston Churchill was a member. Stanley Baldwin was a member. Uh, they call themselves, uh, the Oddfellows, um, I'm not sure why, but they say they're grounded in the ideals of friendship, love, and truth. There are, this is interesting, there are real skeletons in the Order's lodges, and they're used during the initiation to remind members of their mortality. And that was according to an article from the Washington Post back in 2001. The Knights of Pythias was another one. I've never heard of this. This was founded by Justice Rathbone. Uh, who was a government employee in D.C. back in 1864. He felt like there was a need for an organization to like be more moral and practice brotherly love. Um, which, I guess, if you think about it, it was 1864. I think we all probably needed a little bit more brotherly love because we're right smack dab in the middle of the Civil War. Uh, anyway, the name... I uh, Pythias, I looked this up, um, the name was referenced to a Greek legend of, Dame, of Damon and Pythias, the uh, Pythagorean ideal of friendship, if you guys remember your geometry classes. Uh, all of its founding members worked for the government in some way, shape, or form, and uh, it was the first fraternal order to be chartered by an act of Congress. And you can find that on their official website. Uh, the Knights of Pythias, uh, the colors... Um, Blue, yellow, and red. And the reason that they chose those colors, blue stands for friendship, yellow for charity, and red for benevolence. Um, and I guess uh, it's been around for quite a while. It's still, like I said, it's still active today. And it was a partner with the Boy Scouts of America, but I think didn't, they, didn't the Boy Scouts declare bankruptcy and go under? Um, which is a shame. Um, but anyway... 
the Boy Scouts was the second organization to receive official charter from U.S. Congress. So, yeah, there's some, there's some you've never heard of uh, before. Um, interesting stuff. There was a, you may have, there's two more, let me just go over two more real quick. And then uh, I'll shut up. You can go on with your evening. Uh, the Patriotic Order Sons of America. So that dated back to the uh, early days of the uh, Republic here. Again, according to its website, you can I, I pulled all these up. You can go look at histories on all these. But anyway, they followed in the footsteps of the Sons of Liberty, um, the Order of uh, United Americans and Guards of Liberty, uh, the Patriotic Sons of America, which later added the word order to its name, um, because they said they wanted to be more progressive, more popular, so they were actually the most progressive and popular. Whatever the word progressive is supposed to mean to them, that I have no idea. But um, anyway, there was some controversy. In 1891, the Sons of America refused to delete the word white in its constitution and uh, defeating a proposition that would allow black men to apply. Today, the order opens its membership to all native-born and naturalized citizens, uh, male citizens only, 16 years and older, who believe in their country and its institutions, who desire to perpetuate free government, according to this, and who wish to encourage brotherly feeling among Americans, to the end that we may exalt our country to join with us in our work of fellowship and love. Well, one thing I found really interesting when you look at a lot of these secret societies including the Freemasons, is um, you find a lot of uh, segregation. Uh, they, most of these organizations would not allow uh, black men or women to be a part of them. And uh, even uh, the Masons, I do know, they, they have um, what they call black lodges, where they, even now, where its members are all black. But you're, you know, but they allow black people into the into the Masons now, and they do have an order for women. You know, it's a lot of the wives of Masons that want to be involved with what they do. Um, I forgot what they call it, some of the star. Uh, anyway, um, but uh, yeah, that's one thing I found that was a running theme in a lot of these organizations that had such. Uh, well, they state their goals were benevolent. They state their goals were you know like brotherly love or societal benefit or whatever, but yet they were always excluding anyone that wasn't like them, which is, I don't know. It, it, it's, it, it is what it is. That's the history of it. It's kind of an ugly history, but you know, it's, um, a lot of them have that in common in, in history. And, uh, even, even today when you still see groups like the uh, Masons that have like segregated, not really segregated, but I guess it goes without saying, if you have black lodges, it's sort of segregated, self-segregated, which is, um, I think, probably defeats the purpose of a lot of what the uh, the missions of some of these secret societies or secret organizations are supposed to be, even though most of the people now have heard of all these. But the only other one I wanted to mention was the Molly Maguires. The only reason I mentioned that is because there was a band called the Molly Maguires, and they were kind of cool. So if you really want to take a look at that, there was a, a lot of interesting history of the Molly Maguires. This goes back to the, um, gosh, 1870s. Just a long story short, being here in Virginia, 
and you know a lot of coal mining in the in this this area and and uh you know around the region here um 24 different foremen and supervisors of the coal mines of Pennsylvania were assassinated back in the 1870s. And um, it was uh, the suspect was the members of the secret society of the Molly Maguires. And that was an organization with Irish organs that brought to the United States, brought their organization to the United States by with immigrants. So the Molly Maguires got their name because members used to use women's clothing and disguise in women's clothing while carrying out a lot of illegal acts, which included things like death threats, arson, and possibly assassination. Anyway, the group was toppled because um, there was a mole that was planted inside from the Pinkerton Detective Agency, which you can read a lot about in history too, especially in the old Wild West. The Pinkertons were notorious. They were the ones that went after the James gang, Jesse James. Um, so... Um, the Pinkerton agency was hired by mining companies to investigate the group. In a series of criminal trials, about 20 of the or so of the Molly Maguires were sentenced to death by hanging. So the Order of the Sons of St. George, another secret organization, was founded in 1871 to oppose the Maguires, but they also ended up vanishing too. So that was a really interesting, uh, I guess a little, little local history here for me too, in a way. Um, of uh, the Bolly Maguires. Damn good band. Go listen to them. Hey, thanks again for uh, stopping by to listen to the Gonzo Chronicles tonight. I do appreciate it. Uh, if you get an opportunity, I would greatly appreciate you jumping over to Amazon. Check out my books on uh, on Amazon.com. Again, search for Cyrus Alderwood. You'll find they're in, uh, available in Kindle and in paperback. All kinds of things there. Hope you'll enjoy one of those books. Again, um, I, one of the reasons I do the free podcast is I can do it for free because, you know, if I sell two or three books a month, it sort of pays for it. So I appreciate it. If, you, if you're looking for something good to read, it's January. Got a little bit of winter left. Cozy up on the couch after the playoffs or whenever. Jump online, order order a book. If you don't mind me suggesting one, start with Dark Places. If you don't want to try the Gonzo Chronicles, it's something that's a little bit more humorous and yet kind of paranormal, conspiracy theory-ish, you know, fun. Um, check out something in the Dark Places. is a collection of short stories in the horror genre I think you'll really like. Um, if you want to read straight-up conspiracy, Revelation Calling. Enjoy it, folks. Thanks again for uh, stopping by. I appreciate those of you that will. Um, somebody always does listen to the show when I, when I throw that pitch out there, which isn't too often. But... Uh, also, check me out on uh, cyrusalderwood.substack.com. I do share some of the writing prompts I've been doing. I'm week 38 of the writing prompt challenge. Having a blast with this. Just finished the rough draft of my next book. And uh, some people are going to be beta reading it very soon. So later on this year, you're going to see another book coming out that's, uh, I don't know, has a little bit of a secret society feel to it also. Um but it's going to be a fun book to read. Promise you're going to love that one. But yeah, jump on Amazon.com. Try Dark Places in either Kindle or paperback. I greatly appreciate you folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you on down the road.